we're doing is this morning is this is the final teaching in our Tri-Unity or Trinity series. We've been dealing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for a long time. And this is, of course, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and we'll be finalizing that today. I just wanted to let you know that if you've never been to the City Church website, we have video casts of all of, our, all of the sermons. If you are not able to be here for a specific week, you can go on and download it as a podcast, or you can go on and literally watch the, the service, the teaching portion and worship portion live. So just wanted to let you know that if you did not know that already. One other thing that I really would like to kind of highlight this morning is this. From now on, when you arrive at City Church, if you have a smartphone and you have downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, you can literally download all of the sermon notes, you can download all of the announcements, as well as links to the City Church website. And so just to try to help you do that, um, if you wanted to go to the App Store, if you've never done this, you can go into the App Store and you type in or your search will be Version Bible app. If you search for that, you'll see this uh, Life Church Bible, it's free. You can go ahead and download that. Once you've downloaded that app to your phone and you open it, you're going to come to a screen that looks similar to this. In the bottom right-hand corner, there's sort of a menu tab. If you click that menu tab, then you'll see the next screen pops up, which is the screen to the right, and on the top it says videos, next it says live. If you click on that live tab and then put in 22901, which is the nearest zip code, um, it will automatically show you City Church. If you click on that, I know this sounds like a lot, but most of us are app savvy. If you click on that, you'll notice that it gives today's teaching, it'll give the date, and you click on that, and instantly all of the sermon notes are there, all of the announcement notes are there, links to the website, and different opportunities for you. So we're going to be stressing this over a period of time. One of the reasons why I'm bringing it up this morning is because there's, a, there's quite a bit of scripture that we're going to be looking at in this final teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so it'll be a huge help to you if you were to just do that. Again, just go to the, uh, just go to the YouVersion Bible app, go to the live, uh, go to the search, put in 22901, go live, and you'll find... Um, our church. So if you wanted to do that, it'll be a big help to you and we'll be stressing this again in the future. But what we're doing is taking a look at the Holy Spirit. Recently, someone asked me this question about the Holy Spirit, part of a discussion group that I serve. They said, Pete, what are kind of the essentials of the Holy Spirit? What do I need to know? And I thought that was a great question. And so what I'm going to do this morning, very simply, is when we look at the grand finale for the teaching on the Holy Spirit, there are four things that I believe are critical for us to know and to understand. So what I'll do is I'll present a scripture to you, and then we're going to take a look at understanding what those scriptures mean. But in essence, there are four things or four scriptures that I think are critical. Now... Some of you who are Bible scholars are going to sit here and go, I wouldn't have chosen that scripture. I'd have chose a different one. Let me put it this way. I'm up front. 
you're not, so let's go. Now, as we look at this, here's the first thing that I thought was critical for us to understand, especially for some of us who are checking out faith. The first one is this. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's how this scripture reads. It's page 927 in the Bibles we provide. But here's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Here's what Paul writes. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And some of you are saying right now, I had no idea. But Paul is uploading to us the central fact about the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine, and that is, is that our bodies serve as the temples of the Holy Spirit, and he writes on, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Again, Paul asked the questions. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Again, some of you would say, I didn't know that. Now you do. What does that mean for us? Well, listen. The largest transition from the Older Testament to the Newer Testament other than Christ is this. Is that the Holy Spirit is no longer resident in the temple that's made out of stone on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The largest transition from the Older Testament to the Newer is this, is that God by His grace has chosen to utilize the human bodies of people who say yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. I want you to notice this though. The Apostle Paul says the following, that your bodies are the temple of the, what kind of spirit? Holy Spirit. Now, you're welcome. Please understand this. The Holy Spirit has come into this world to do a personal work in your life and in mine. And I will tell you from the outset that one of the works of the Holy Spirit is conviction. It's conviction to do the right thing, and it's also conviction to move away from the wrong thing. And Paul says here that if our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, we are to honor God with our bodies. The word holy means to be set apart. The word holy literally means uncommon. Uncommon. To be holy means uncommon. It's not the norm. That word holy means to be set apart for a purpose. It means to be uncommon. And here's what that shows me. Is that the life of a Christ follower is someone that is empowered by a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that allows me to live a life I could not live without the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in my heart, in my life, and brings conviction 
to do what's right, conviction to move away from what's wrong, but also brings power to live a life I could not live on my own. The Holy Spirit brings me to the place that's uncommon. And I know this isn't popular, but let me just say this, that the Holy Spirit does speak into our behavior. The Holy Spirit does speak into our moral and our ethic and how we live. That's one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I love about all of this. That if you are struggling with something and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, the Holy Spirit also empowers you to live a transformed life. I'm sure some of us have people in our lives that are like the following. They are very good at telling us what's wrong but they're not so good in helping us change anything. You ever have people in your life like that? Raise your hand. Now turn and look at them. <laughs> Here's what's awesome about the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling conviction about something in your life that's wrong, that same Holy Spirit is there to empower you to live a life you couldn't live in your own strength. I like that. Now the question becomes, how does this happen? How does this work that the Holy Spirit comes into my life, comes into my heart? How does it happen that my body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit? That's the second verses that we're going to look at. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, page 947 in the Bibles that we provide. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14, and here's what this scripture says. I'll read it out loud, read it along with me. Here's what the Bible says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. In other words, you heard about Jesus. You heard the gospel that Jesus has come into this world, that he was the son of God that he came into this world to live a perfect life and then to die for our sins on the cross. And then as Easter teaches us to be resurrected from the dead, have victory over death, and that when I put my faith, hope, and trust in him and I believe in him, then I am declared righteous in him and I'm literally saved from myself. The gospel is simple, but it is so profound. Gospel meaning good news. So Jesus came into this world. He was the son of God. And he came into this world to die for our sins. That we would be forgiven and be in right relationship with God. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. When you heard the message of truth. The gospel of salvation. And when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what is Paul teaching us? Paul's reminding us that when I heard the gospel and I believed in the gospel, in that moment, the Holy Spirit has come upon me and enters into me and seals me as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
And what I want to do is just stop for a moment. Many of us have heard the gospel before. Notice there's two parts. You hear the gospel, but then you also believe. There's a supernatural transition when a man or a woman believes in the gospel. Hearing it and believing are not the same thing. It begins with hearing, and then it moves to believing. Now, I have a question for you. Have you heard about Jesus, but you've never believed? I want to push the pause button right now and lead us in a brief prayer. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of belief and receiving Jesus. Because maybe this morning's the morning where your heart and life will be open and you'll move from somebody who's just hearing to someone who's believing. Would you pray with me? If you've accepted Christ already and you've put your belief and your hope and trust and faith in Him, then you can do this again. But if you never have and you would like to this morning and that you know that you need Jesus, I'm just going to ask that in your heart, you would repeat the prayer that I'm going to say out loud. And the prayer would go something like this. Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about you. But I know enough to know that I need you. I know enough to know that I have sin in my life. And I need forgiveness. That I need a new way of living life and a new power to do life. Jesus, I've been trying to do this on my own for so long, and I'm tired. And so now I ask that you would forgive me, that you would cleanse me. Jesus, I choose in this moment to put my faith in you, my hope in you, my belief in you, my trust in you. Lord, as I do that, I surrender my life. And I pray that I would follow you the rest of my days. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice what Paul says. That once you've heard and you believed, in that moment you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That word for being marked or that word for being sealed is a Greek word that means the following. And I want you to just kind of notice what this means. It means the following. First of all, it means a finished transaction. In other words, the moment I pray that prayer, that transaction is completed. I am sealed in him. In the ancient Roman world, when Jesus was around, it meant a finished transaction, but also a mark of ownership. A seal would be put on someone or something. Next, it was a bond of security, a seal to prevent opening. Maybe you've never read the Bible, but you would remember when Jesus was placed in the tomb. It said that the Roman empire when he was placed in the tomb put a seal on that tomb so that nobody would mess with the stone which his body was laid behind that's that idea of the bond of security it was the sense that when the seal was placed on that stone you were messing with the roman empire that's that same understanding 
And then last, a seal would be put on something as an imprint of authenticity or of identity. Now when we look at this, we understand that when we say yes to Jesus, the moment I say yes to Jesus, I am sealed in him by the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is placed on us and in us as a deposit waiting and a guarantee of what's to come. I want to talk about this just for a moment. A deposit. That word that's used in the original language, a slight variation of it, is the same word that's used for an engagement ring. It's an engagement. It's a token of a guarantee of a promise for the future. It's a promise that what is said is going to happen, it's guaranteed. How many of you have, I'm not going to ask for a lift of hands, but how many of you have ever made a deposit on something? I had a situation quite a while ago where I was eating with my children in a restaurant that I would frequent, and I had forgotten that they only accept cash. I had already eaten. I thought about eating and running, but the dude knew me and it's not good for a preacher to run out the door after eating about 12 cheeseburgers. You should probably pay for that. So I went up to him and I said, look, I, I really want to apologize. I forgot you guys only take cash. They take credit cards now, but back then they only took cash. I had my three children with me. And um, I said, look, I'll leave my driver's license as kind of a guarantee that I'll come back and pay. And he said, no, that won't be necessary. It happens all the time. I'll just put a note up here put your name on it, and he said, I trust you, I know that uh, you'll come back and get and pay and we'll settle up. I, I've seen you here a lot of times. I said, well, thank you, and I left. Can you imagine, though, if the owner had said to me, yeah, you got to leave a deposit. The deposit's going to be one of your kids. <laughs> wow, a little aggressive. Can you imagine if the restaurant owner said, leave one of your kids? Well, I would have lined them up and said, okay, kids, which of you is willing to stay? We're leaving, but you'll stay and we'll come get you. What you have to understand is, is when you think about that and you look at that, ultimately what God is doing by placing his Holy Spirit in us and seal on us as a guarantee of what's to come, he is literally leaving one of his family with us. That his Holy Spirit is a deposit in us, is this engagement ring, this guarantee of the future in Christ. And so when I say yes to Jesus, in that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of me, and Paul says that's a guarantee of what is to come. It's a guarantee. God will not deny himself. God lives in triunity. God is in trinity. And so with the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I'm sealed by the Spirit, it's a guarantee that God the Father will return and bring me to himself. It's the same as leaving one of my kids at Riverside Burger on High Street, saying, I'll be back. Well, it depends on how well they behaved, right? Might be, you can have them. I'll pay you to take them. No, just kidding. But when we look at this, we understand 
what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in with me. That's the first scripture. Where I've heard the gospel, I believe the gospel. Now I understand that through that, the Holy Spirit dwells in me and is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And then the next verse. The next verse is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It might seem an odd verse, but I'm going to explain it to us. Ephesians 5.18 tells us this, a couple verses prior says the following, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How many of you would admit that the days seem a little bit evil to you? You feel like maybe they're getting more difficult, a little bit darker, a little bit more strenuous. Imagine they were saying that 2,000 years ago. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Then here's our verse. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. As we look at this verse, it's almost as though Paul admits that life is difficult. Paul admits that life is hard, it's not easy. And in that he says, listen, don't turn to drink. Don't turn to other things to somehow soften the pain of life. Don't look to other things for crutches to prop yourself up. But he says instead... Be filled with the Spirit. What you can't tell in the English, though, is that that word filled means literally to be stuffed to capacity. It's the same word that's used to describe Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when hundreds of thousands of Jewish people were in the city and it's literally overflowing with people. It's that understanding of being absolutely filled. But what you can also not tell in the English is that in Ephesians 5.18, it says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. The original language, it should read this way, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. It's a present tense. It means that this isn't a one-shot deal. It's the sense where, as a follower of Christ, I recognize that life is hard. Life takes stuff out of me. I face things that, as Callie said earlier, I would never have signed up for. And in that, there's a sense where I'm constantly looking to the Holy Spirit to fill me. There's a cute little story about a little boy who constantly heard his mother praying to be filled with the Spirit. And he said to his mother, Mom, you're always asking Jesus to fill you with the Spirit. Why? And she said, because I leak. How many of you leak? If you don't think you leak, look at the people around you and ask them, do I leak? By the way, the words leak, not reek. You want to ask them, do I leak? But when we see this, it's in the present tense. It means be being filled. 
And so instead of turning to other things, I learned to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last verse explains this so beautifully. In the last verse we're going to take a look at, it's Luke eleven thirteen, And in Luke eleven thirteen, we find out about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Not only did Jesus send the Holy Spirit to us, but Jesus, right after he was teaching on the Lord's Prayer, right after he was teaching in the book of Luke, where he, his disciples had come to him and said, teach us how to pray. Jesus, in teaching them the Lord's Prayer, he follows it up with this. In Luke eleven thirteen, 13, he says this. In talking about prayer, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the, what are the next two words? Holy Spirit. To those who ask him. Wow. When Jesus is teaching on prayer, he literally props up asking for the Holy Spirit as the prayer request that we're called to ask for. And so it will look something like this. I've said yes to Jesus. And in saying yes to Jesus, the idea then is, is that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that the moment you believe, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Paul goes on to teach us that we need to keep be being filled. And Jesus teaches us to pray for the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I've discovered in my own life. I have found that to be filled with the Holy Spirit takes intentionality and it takes time. There's times where when I'm traveling in my car, I'll turn on Pandora and just turn it to a worship a series of songs, and as I'm driving, I just kind of move into God's presence, and I ask God that he would fill me with his spirit. There are other points in time where I know I'm moving towards something that's bigger than me, and in moving towards it, I'll ask God to give me his spirit and his wisdom with what I'm facing. But here's what I know. I know that some of us who are sitting here can be often like I am where I've been trying to do life in my own strength. You can be tired. You can be burdened. You can be out of fuel. You can be facing something that maybe you're really excited about, but you know it's going to be a big undertaking. You've got big stuff ahead. And there are others of us sitting here who know that you've recently experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You've been involved with something that's not right. Or God's been convicting you to move towards something that is right. In all of these contexts, we are a group of people that have the Holy Spirit at our disposal where we can simply say in a prayer, as Jesus taught us to pray, fill me with the Holy Spirit. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him or to her who would ask. And so let's go through this as sort of the grand finale. These four things are what we've learned this morning. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the moment you believe you are sealed with the Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. Number three, we leak. And so in life, 
we must keep be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And four, Jesus taught us to pray for the Holy Spirit, that God would fill us and give us a strength and a peace and a power that is not our own. What we're going to do to conclude our time together is I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, and as you do, stand with your communion cup. If you were not served, we have people that are prepared to serve you communion. And so for those that have served communion, if you would be prepared, does anyone need a communion cup? Raise your hand. If you manage to get in the door without it, please keep your hand raised. We have people that are going to move down front quickly to serve you. And I'm going to ask that the worship team would join me up front. Again, keep your hand raised. There's people coming down the aisle now with the trays. If you need a little bit of help taking communion, these are hard to open. Turn, and I'm sure someone would be happy to help you. But go ahead and open your communion at this time. As we prepare for communion, you know, I jokingly said when I was at Riverside Burger on High Street, what if the proprietor had said to me, leave one of your children as a deposit? You imagine if the owner had said, as a matter of fact, I want your one and only son. I want him to stay. In your hand, you're holding a cup that reminds us of Jesus. Jesus himself came into this world as a ransom. He came as God's only son, as a deposit. He came into this world as a guarantee that God was reaching out to us and that we could be in right relationship with him. Can you imagine... In the midst of the Trinity, Jesus Christ volunteers as the Son, and he takes on flesh to live in this world full of its struggles and its pain and its suffering. Jesus did not live on the mansion on the hill. Jesus lived with a single mother in a broken, devilish time where the oppression of the Roman Empire was overbearing. And Jesus stepped into this world, and the Bible says that he gave his life as a ransom for many. You see, within the Trinity, the divine plan was executed through the Son. And the Son has sent us the Holy Spirit so that you and I would never be alone. And as we hold this cup together, I'd like us to give thanks to God. Let's give thanks to God for what he has done for us. That in Christ... We have access to the Holy Spirit. And the moment we say yes to him, God touches our hearts and our lives and he fills us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can we close our eyes just for a moment? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are to us. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for the four truths that we're learning this morning. These four things that teach us who we are in you. 
that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, that the moment we believe you take up residence through your Spirit in our hearts and lives, that in this life we leak, we must be being filled, and that we are taught by Christ to pray for the Holy Spirit to be in us and to be filled with the Spirit. So Jesus, as we hold this cup together, we remember what you have done for us. We remember that you sent the Spirit to us so that we would never be alone. As we hold the cup up before the Lord, I'm going to ask that you would take the bread and hold it in your hand. Jesus, as we take the Lord's Supper, we acknowledge who you are. We acknowledge that this is the symbol of your broken body, which was broken for us. That in body you were sinless, you never sinned. And yet you gave your life up as a sin offering for us. That our sins would be atoned for. That we would be forgiven. Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Let's hold the cup up before the Lord and give thanks. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. We also thank you for your shed blood. And as we hold this cup up before you, we give thanks that in your blood there's atonement, there's forgiveness, there's covering for our sins. And as we hold this cup up, we acknowledge that you came and that you were brought here as a ransom for us. Jesus, thank you. Paul goes on to write this. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. I know you're probably still holding a cup in your hand. But if you're comfortable doing this, can we just for a moment close our eyes? And if you're comfortable doing this, just kind of lift your hands up in front of you as you're a sign of your receptivity to God. Jesus said, how much more will his heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him or to her who would ask? Would you be so bold in this moment? ask God for his spirit to fill you and to touch you and to strengthen you. If you're like I am, you need that. Let's pray this together. Jesus, thank you for your spirit. We ask according to your own teaching that your Holy Spirit would fill us. Heavenly Father, fill my life, fill our lives with your spirit. May we experience a peace that's from you. May we experience a strength that is not our own. May we experience conviction of things that are not right. May we sense conviction towards the things that are and the power to do so. Holy Spirit, fill us. 
Lord, as a spirit-led church, fill us. And allow us to be a group of people that follow Jesus and serve others, not just in our own strength, but the strength of the Spirit. Lord, thank you for your scriptures and what they teach us. And we pray these things in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. If we can continue in an attitude of worshipful prayer just for a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in worship. Sing Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be
pray that throughout this week and throughout this Thanksgiving and Christmas season that we would be a group of people who are be being filled. Lord, fill us with your presence. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, thank you for your scriptures. And now I just want to pray a blessing over all of us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. We're going to continue with worship. If you would like prayer, we have people down front that are here to pray with you and to pray for you. Please don't exit this piece of property if you have a burden that you would like prayer for. The prayer team is coming forward at this time to pray with you and for you. If you would like to stay in worship, feel free to do that. If you need to exit, please do so quietly until you get to the foyer. God bless you. Let's leave worshiping. Amen. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory Hey.
Jesus. Shout his name. See you. 